Hello and welcome to another episode of The Philosophy Guy. Brendan Weber here, your host. So, today, video games and becoming human. So, what has become one of the most popular drugs of choice in our culture and in our culture around the developed world? Video games, the the entertainment drug for, I guess, the entertainment drug at your house, so to speak. So now, if you've been following me for a while and listening, you probably realize that when I use the word drug, it doesn't come with a negative or, pon- or a positive connotation around it. It just is. It just is what it is, I guess you could say. It depends on the purpose of use and the person choosing to use it, reasons for you know doing so. See, I think video games are overall widely positive. The positives vastly outweigh the negatives. But more importantly... Let's look at how video games make us human, because that's the point of this episode. First, but first, as always, check out my Patreon for bonus content, help support the show, email me, hit up the Discord, subscribe on YouTube, rate, yada yada, links below. But anyway, video games. Let's have a discussion today. You see, I see video games. They're they're beautiful in the worlds they create, in the worlds a player gets to explore. One of the reasons I find video games so fascinating is they become a kind of projection of our lives is the way I see it. Meaning, although a fantasy game goes well beyond what we know of as as possible in the real world, when we play a role-playing fantasy game, we expect as many real-world possibilities as possible, if that makes sense. Like the decisions, whether you know it's what you eat, the potions you take, the decisions you make, where you go, exploring, kind of, you know, what we want to see in the real world, I guess you could say, right? So in a way, we see role-playing video games in large open worlds as kind of a projection of life or a projection of the life we want to see, but with a little extra pizzazz, and that's where the, you know, like fantasy aspect comes in or, or different circumstances come in. But what does this mean overall? So now, a side note, for me personally, I used to be an avid gamer. I put a lot of hours into Skyrim back in the day, hundreds of hours, loved it, kind of missed it. But anyway, I had to sell my system because, you know, it's kind of, going back to the drug analogy, I know it's overly used by parents and whatnot and some old research that's been proven wrong. But in a way, it was a drug that I got addicted to. You know, it was an addiction for me. And as I was entering my career and getting older, I realized, you know, I needed to put it away for a a little bit. So until I'm ready to manage my gaming habits in a healthy fashion, I'll stick to theorizing about them and replacing it with maybe too many movies. (laughs) But I hope to come back to them someday soon. But let's get to the point of this episode. Video games, they give us choices, right? And with those choices, we put moral weight on those choices we make in video games. We place genuine human empathy on our decision-making process. So in that process, we should ask ourselves, do video games help us become more human in a way? So for example, I remember playing Fallout 3 back in the day on my first run-through, one of my favorite and first open-world survival games I played. One of the most memorable decisions in gaming history was deciding whether or not to blow up Nuketown. I remember when the decision came, I chose not to blow them up. Why? why? Why did I decide not to do that? It's because I thought about the the actual characters. But but wait, it's just a game. You know, these, these choices don't matter. Like, why not blow it up? It'll look cool and all that stuff. You're already in a nuclear wasteland. But no, I thought about the actual characters there that I found interesting. The characters with backstories, with motivations, with, with perspectives on life, with stories, with stories to be told. I thought about the little home I built there that I would also be blowing up. 
but these are just characters without any real feelings, right? Correct. I'm not crazy, but by projecting genuine human emotions onto them to make those decisions have more weight and value, that's what we do. So why do I do this, and many other gamers do this, and I think I would say even most gamers do this? Why? Because it makes games more fun, more enjoyable, and adds these human emotions to it and really gets the brain going. So sure, part of me just wanted to see you know, a nuke go off. That'd look cool in the, the high-tech gaming world. It's really cool visuals, right? But I didn't want that decision for my character in the game. See, some people make, they make their characters not like them. But my, and I think, I don't think that's the habit of choice. And I'll kind of explain that in a bit. But my habit was always trying to make decisions based on how I think I would make them in those circumstances. Or I think more accurately, because I say that's the choices I would make, the choice I hope I would make in those choices. You know, in the case of Fallout, if a nuclear wasteland was to occur and I was able to survive and go out into the world, I would hope I would be like the character I made. I don't know how realistic that is, probably not, but I would like to think I would make those good choices even with face with the circumstances your characters are put in in worlds like our that have an apocalyptic setting, you know. Oh, and then, but then with the nuke thing, you know, you just go look it up on YouTube anyway, so you get to see it. But anyway, that's kind of the way I want to set this this piece up, this this episode, to kind of get you thinking where I'm coming from and how it makes us human, because we'll kind of connect all of this here. So I was looking for another scenario, and a website called The Gamer laid this out perfectly in another Fallout game. So Bethesda Fallout series is well known for presenting the player with morally ambiguous and difficult choices these include not only deciding what faction to side with in a main quest but also how to solve the missions for the various vaults you find in the wasteland so one of the vaults in fallout new vegas vault 34 is probably the most challenging morally the setup goes like this vault 34 is leaking radiation into the water which is affecting nearby sharecropper farms causing the crops to die and widespread famine among the people who are completely dependent on them for food After you head into the vault to investigate, you discover there's a group of people still inside, but who are trapped in an unreachable part of the vault. The courier has to either deactivate the reactor, stopping the radiation and saving the farms, but dooming the trapped survivors to being buried alive, or reroute the controls to the trapped people, enabling them to open the doors and escape, but dooming the crops and ensuring further starvation. There's no real way to know which is the right decision. The game itself seems hesitant to pass judgment on such an impossible choice and doesn't add or subtract any karma either way. If you don't know what karma is, if you didn't play the Fallout series, you know your character does have karma attributes to it. So when you make good decisions, you gain karma. When you do negative ones, you lose karma. Pretty straightforward, right? So yeah, that I remember also making that decision and it's these are the things that the game's forcing you to make where you know like where a movie presents a decision like that. And you don't see yourself as much in that character. You might idolize that character or think it'd be cool to be that character, but you're not actively making the choice. They make the choice for you, and then you look upon that choice and be like, wow, that's cool that he made that choice, or oh, no, he made that choice. But we, when you play video games, you have this more active role in the world. And and you add these moral implications to it, which is really interesting to me on a philosophical level. Okay, so maybe you're 
starting to see where I'm going with this. It isn't even really about making moral choices. It's about choice and the feeling of reality, or maybe more accurately, the projection of reality we feel when we play a good video game. Because I think about when, let's say, let's say, let's use Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto is a good example. So if I go on a killing spree to try and run from the cops, get that five-star rating, you know, take on the army base in Grand Theft Auto 5 and try to survive at the army base, steal a jet, blow up some more tanks, yada, yada. If you guys played Grand Theft Auto 5, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't want the game to save. I don't want the idea of me killing random people in the game world to stay in my game world. I want to die on the spree, going back to my saved game and going through the world with this moral compass that fits a sort of criminal with a with a moral code, right? Because every man has to have a code. You know, I, I kind of that's the what I would always project into Grand Theft Auto. Like sure you make make uh criminal choices, I guess, you know, murdering people and whatnot. But you kind of I still feel like most players they try to put some moral weight to things. And we'll get to another example of that in a bit. bit. So now the popularity of video games itself continues to rise in the U.S. The video game industry earned uh, more than global box office movie ticket sales, U.S. video streaming subscriptions, and the U.S. music industry. Video games look to continue their rise, especially as they become more advanced and more immersive. Which is why I'll definitely be probably hopping back in because some of these games I'm seeing are becoming way too enticing even to to hold back my addiction, I guess you could say. So I think video games capture our attention because they engage our basic human emotions. Sure, my, my drug analogy before came across as outdated, you know, with the whole parent thing and all that, but I don't mean it in a negative sense. Again, I want to reiterate that. Although kids do get addicted, and I think that can be an issue, the positives of video games can outweigh the negatives by far, which is why I plan to hop back in. And when I say play video, or when I say video games, I'm talking about the ones that get you thinking. They activate your creativity. You know, they provide this kind of social aspect to it. And it doesn't even need to be all three of those things. It can be, you know, an expertise in one of those areas that makes it for a great video game. Video games have shown to really activate our minds, is our, my point. In the way they do, they do so in different ways. So these are the exact reasons I know I'll get back into them someday soon. So think about movies as a comparison. They are a wonderful way of telling stories and, you know, maybe even raising some interesting questions because, you know, the interesting questions part is kind of what this podcast also does a lot of. But what's missing in movies? See, they activate emotions. Sure, movies definitely do that. And like I said, they bring up um, you know, morally interesting questions, but video games activate the moral faculties that traditional arts often miss and that idea of choice in those moral faculties. See, a video game can make you feel guilty for what you do. When something happens in a movie where you see the character feels guilty, I think you project kind of some empathy onto that character. You're not feeling guilty for the decision you made because you didn't make it. But in a video game, you project yourself into your character and you the empathy you feel is, is genuine to you and genuine to that character. There's more of a direct connection between you and your character. Now, I was surprised, or now, not surprised, I was inspired to make this episode from this article I read on Nautilus. I think I pronounced their magazine name right. I, I read their website all the time, but I'm hoping I got their name right. So anyway, I'll quote a passage on the research around this idea of video games kind of pulling at our human strings. You know, uh, psychologists Scott Rigby and Andrew 
Prisbickley. I'm really bad with names, so I really hope I didn't botch that. But anyway, they ran a study driving kind of this emotion, these emotions idea. So, quote, the researchers assessed the player's mood, self-esteem, vitality, game enjoyment, and preference for future play. You might recognize many of the games researchers had subjects play. Nintendo Super Mario 64 was one of them. Of course, not everyone is a fan of Mario, even in three dimensions, and some subjects aren't intrinsically motivated to play. They were there for extra course credit. So most of the 90 subjects, a majority of them women, after playing Mario, chose to switch games rather than continue and, and on average, felt less energized. The people who kept playing were the ones who felt a sense of competence and increased well-being from pre to post-play. With The Legend of Zelda, or Kana, or, or geez, this is really, <laughs> really botching these names, or, or Karina of Time and A Bug's Life, Players got to experience the difference between a good and bad game. The former, an actual adventure game allowing players lots of leeway in exploring the in-game world, which I actually have played that game a little bit, and I agree. I There's a lot of respect for that series around the gaming community. I haven't played it in-depth enough to p- pass my final judgment, but I get exactly where the research is going here. But anyway, back to the quote. Being widely considered one of the greatest games of all time, and the latter based on a movie, not so much. Zelda was more enjoyable, immersive, and motivating than A Bug's Life due to the greater sense of mastery and autonomy it offered players. A Bug's Life had easier to learn controls, but for mastery of the controls to be associated with positive effects, the researchers found it seems like players must have opportunities to satisfy their needs. So I think the reason I bring up this part of the research is it's kind of what I was alluding to before, where like movies... You know, it's people try to translate movies into video games and it kind of falls flat a lot of times. I think that's for other reasons. I think you can do it successfully. The Spider-Man series just recently did that. But yeah, I think it's a good example of the Bugs Life. Like, sure, that Bugs Life, the movie, was an enjoyable movie. But translating that into a video game where they try to restrict you on this singular path, it just doesn't work. A game that fully immerses you and makes you feel part of the world, like you are in the world, kind of where like virtual reality is kind of trying to do. There's something that it activates more in our human faculties and emotions and and all that good stuff. See, games that keep you engaged with a sense of freedom, engaged and challenging, but also relatedness, the feeling of being socially connected. So the socially connected part, I think this can come in a variety of ways from online video games. I remember playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 with my friends like every night during high school. Um, But then I, I see a game take over a culture for about a month so in this case like red dead redemption 2 a mostly singular player game not a lot of online aspects that came later but everyone wants to play not only for the enjoyment and the immersion of this cool wild wild west world but being connected and being able to talk about it with your fellow gamers the social connectedness in that arena of an actual reality See, video games do a wonderful job of connecting us as a culture. And another bonus, I find many people agree when they think a video game is trash or when they think a video game is good like they do in Red Dead Redemption 2. The community of gamers kind of unites in this way and it kind of gives you this this sense of community. See, studies have also shown that video games help overcome depression and improve memory. So I think partially because video games give you this ability to explore. And the right game allows you to take a story at your own pace and your own direction. Kind of like Skyrim back in the day, Skyrim 5. Fucking love that game. And the best video games give you moments that you will remember forever. Moments of connectedness, all that good stuff. You even have video games as simple as Minecraft. 
that double down on certain areas. In, this, in the case of Minecraft, that focuses on flexing a player's creative, creative abilities. See, the game, The Last of Us, focused on the story side. A franchise like Skyrim or, or Fallout focused on freedom and the choice side. But they all invoke emotion and a projection of reality in their own way. So even taking you to a, to a point in history, for example... A dividing series is Assassin's Creed. I loved those games. It was pr- it's probably honestly one of my favorite series. Um, just I love the the peace films that that the same goes for video games. I like I love time peace films is what I meant to say. And pulling the strings of history behind the scenes in AC was fascinating to me. Video games have something for everyone. Everyone's interest. It's it's an amazing kind of platform, I guess you could say. So my overall point is this, though. Video games is something for everyone. One, they help us think about life after you put your controller down of a really good game that had you playing for countless hours, making you think about decisions, exploring a beautiful, unique world. You think about that stuff. In Skyrim and in Fallout, I would think about my companions, protecting the characters I liked, hearing their stories. I projected very, very real emotions and realities upon them in their world. And although I made choices how I thought I would in the real world, I also realized I make choices based on how I want to be. Be it brave, curious, steadfast, you know, super smart on the objective, you know, stuff like that. You see, I like to believe I would make the right choices if I was forced to make a decision brought up in a video game in real life with real world implications. But we cannot know. Video games give us this opportunity to see who we want to be. See, they remind you that you can make a difference in the world. No matter how big or small, video games give us an opportunity to reflect on the choices we can make in our lives. Because remember, Your life is very much, in a way, a video game. And you can create the character you want to be. But as always, thanks for listening. And peace. I will talk to you next time.